Let's join together and pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So, which one are you? If you know where your tape measure is at this moment, I think I know who you are. You want precision. You want that every single piece to have a place where it belongs, one place, and for that one piece to be anywhere else is impossible. You feel the satisfaction of a perfect 90 degree angle. You love when it's an absolute straight line. For you, it's measure twice, cut once. Because you're the kind of person that measures down to the 16th, and it's going to be right. Is that you? Interesting. Or, or is measurement more of an art than a science, you could say? You're the helpful eye when somebody hangs a picture and they want to see if it's angled just in the right way and, and you can tell from far. I mean, you know where you want the TV to hang on the wall, right? So you've got the wall mount up in five minutes. Yes, sometimes you need a little bit of a, maybe like a practice drill or a practice hole, but you'll get it done, and nobody's going to know about that hole that's hidden behind the picture anyways. You probably don't have any idea where your tape measure is at this moment, because when you measure, your eyeballs are going to be good enough. Is that you? No, I've got really good news this morning. Uh, there is no biblical description of a right or a wrong way to do measurement in our lives. It might be frustrating for you because you can't understand the other side and the other people and the way they do it. But this is not going to cause issues between us. Because no matter who we are, no matter how we do this, we are people who understand measurement. We are people who learn about space, physical space, right? We all get it. We understand that there is length and width and height. We look at angles and we can see angles that are there. No matter what kind of measurer you are, you're going to find unity today with the other side because God's description that he gives us it's impossible for all of you. God's grace today looks like impossible measurements. I've got kind of a fondness for ad campaigns that don't understand how to measure themselves and the product that they're trying to sell. You kind of got to like it when there's a 30-second video ad that tries to be way, way bigger than it actually is. My favorite one comes back from 2004. If you weren't around, you can Google it later and you can watch. It's, it's still pretty cool. They started it months before those Summer Olympics in 2004. So it included a swimmer who was allergic to water. A long-distance runner who had grown up in rural Ethiopia. And even in the Olympics, he ran kind of with his arm tucked under his side because to get to school, he would run 10 kilometers with books like this, and his arm just stayed like that. 
people like that. 20 other athletes with their own version of impossible odds. And then they come to reveal that they had beaten all of those odds to get to the point where they're at. Well, maybe you know at the very beginning of the whole campaign is a video of a boxer who came from nothing, was doubted all the way up to his dominance in the ring in the whole sport. This whole ad campaign came from Muhammad Ali and his impossible is nothing speech. That's the headline for the whole campaign. Impossible is nothing. Because if these people could do these kinds of things, well then, impossible, it really looks like it is nothing. It was for Adidas. And this ad campaign changed their company completely because of the success and the high aspirations that they wanted people to aim for. They wanted people to work to measure themselves way, way higher than they ever had before. I love it because of its high aspirations, but even more because we are people who live in this world of measuring, and I think we measure ourselves all the time. I look tired this morning. I feel older. I'm faster than I was last year. I'm working harder than I ever have before. Whatever it is, we love to look at ourselves and we measure. And I think it absolutely leaks into our spiritual lives. Because we look at ourselves and we remember that I didn't react like I should have reacted this morning. I wasted my time at work this last week and I did not get done what needed to get done. I have not been the husband or wife that my spouse needs me to be. I was mean to my parents this morning for no reason. I knew it was wrong and I kept doing the sin that I know is a sin and I kept going back to it. And we measure ourselves. But we also measure other people. We look out and we look at each other too and, and we measure. They need to get fired. They don't deserve playing time. They haven't come close to being the spouse that I need them to be. They don't help out and we need help here. They're not caring or doing enough in the way that I think it needs to be done. If they're going to be a, a part of us, then they need to clean up their act and they need to look a little bit better. All of these measuring things end in one place. They help us see in ourselves that we don't deserve God's grace. We look at other people and we see that other people don't deserve God's love either. So we decide to come up with these limits that get stuck in our heads that God cannot forgive you if you keep sinning and you keep failing in those ways. That God's love cannot cover a wrong that is so morally wrong and so out there in public now that people who have done awful things and lived awful lives and hurt lots of people, that they might be a part of us and that they might be forgiven too. Now you and I put these measured limits on God's grace we do it for ourselves, and we do it for other people. That is, until we get to listen to what God tells us about himself. 
He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This, specifically verse 8, this is one of those phrases in the Old Testament that gets repeated again and again because people need to hear it. He is compassionate and gracious. He is full all the way to the top with love. He's not watching and waiting for the first mistake so that he can come down and squish you. He says he's slow to anger. And when people, because people will, when people do mess up and they fail, God tells us this then, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I mean, how beautiful is this? God promises he's not going to be fair with us. Even when we deserve it, the accusations stop. It won't be payback time in proportion to what we've done. No, God has a different way of measuring things. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the peak of all the verses we're looking at today. You can't really see it or read it in the English, but in the Hebrew, it's this awesome X buildup in this section in the psalm where it's kind of building up and then you get verses 11 and 12 and then it's building down and everything is, is pointing back to it. But God's grace looks like impossible measurements here, right? How far can you go out up into space? I'm not a scientist, but I don't think there's an end that we can see, even with all of our telescopes now, right? The furthest probes in our own solar system, they stop transmitting data because they're too far away. God's love and his grace is like that. If you went this afternoon and you got on a plane and you started heading west and flying west and you keep going west, you're going to run out of gas before you realize that you can keep going and going and going and you're never going to find the end. Go east and you're going to find the exact same thing. That's how far God has taken our sins off of us. It's a distance that you can't measure with miles or hours because it's further away than that. And that's God's grace. Because the Lord is compassionate and gracious beyond our understanding. He forgives without any human understanding or desire to forgive. He loves sinners with a never-ending, impossible-to-measure, perfect love. His grace is just impossible for us to really understand. But there is one thing that you can measure about God's grace, his love for us. And it does look like years and hours and days and details. If you look at the life of his son, Jesus, you can understand. Because it was years, 33 years of a perfect life exchanged for thousands of years for sinners. 
It was hours of agony and hell on the cross for forgiveness and new life for sinners. It was miles back up into the sky so that we would have no doubt that he did it all and that it was actually finished. We can look at Jesus and there and there alone we can measure what he did and that his work is fully and completely done that we are fully and completely forgiven. Try to put yourself in their shoes. When we followed him out to the hills, we weren't thinking about food. No, Jesus was passing through our town, and, and that was going to be enough for us then. So we went. In thousands, we went. And once Jesus started talking that day, we just wanted to hear more. So by the time our stomachs started to tell us that we were hungry, it was too late to go back. We were too far away from all the other places. We had nothing, and we were going to be hungry. And then we saw something weird. We saw Jesus take just this tiny bit of bread and a couple fish, and he started passing it out to his disciples. And then there was more. And we looked, and then there was more. And we looked, and then there was more after that, too. And, and everybody around us, as we looked around in the thousands, everybody had enough. And then we looked again, and everybody had more than they needed. And then we looked at Jesus, and we understood, with Jesus around, the numbers don't matter anymore. Even for thousands and thousands of people to provide impossible things, Jesus has abilities that go beyond what we can measure. I mean, don't you wish you could experience miracles like some people actually got to experience that? Experiences that would have made it absolutely obvious who he was, what he could do. He wasn't like other spiritual leaders. No, his powers backed up his talk and his guidance. What looked like it might be impossible when people saw him and they interacted with him and they learned from him, they understood that for him, impossible really was nothing. That's why we're here. This is what we need to learn, too. That with boundaries that absolutely should hold us back and that do make us want to try to measure ourselves, we need to try to see things like those people saw. Because God tells us about ourselves. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows who we are. But God tells us something we already know too. We know that the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it though, and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. God knows us. We know ourselves. And God chooses to have immeasurable grace for us. So I got to ask you who you are one more time. Which one is more you? What runs through your heads more every day? Is it, I am messed up. God should be done with me. 
I don't deserve anything good from God today. I've done too much. Is that you? Or is this the thought running through your head? God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. If you're there today already, that's great. That's awesome. Stay there. Be there. Don't change. But just looking at your faces as I ask, I think I know who you are. And then you're like me. This is something that we need God's help to see. So let God keep shaping your view. Let him help you look at yourself and other people like he looks at you. Be deliberate. Make it a point now to see God through this immeasurable grace lens and not a God who wants to crush you because that's who he tells us he is. That's how he wants us to see ourselves and each other. I think I can say that five weeks for a series about grace, God's love, surprise it's not enough for us to understand God's grace and love. Five beautiful, awesome pictures. They can't really capture it. But I'm thankful we did this. And I'm thankful we're going to end here. Because an immeasurably gracious God has told us about himself. That he gives us a gift we can't deserve. That the God who knows all things promises that he forgets that he made an exchange that was an awful exchange for him, but the best exchange for us, that he loves us perfectly. This is what grace looks like. Let this be the place that you start. Amen.